Good morning, Providence. How are you? Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. This is the last Sunday of 2019. The video that you just watched is uh, supposed to be an illustration of our hope for this three-year plant vision that we're in the middle of. I didn't introduce myself. I'm Daniel Savage. That's my name. I'm the pastor of discipleship. I'm grateful to be here with you. And so we're going to study the Bible together. But this video... Uh, was an illustration of the plant vision, the three-year vision. And when I say uh, vision, I mean uh, for our church, it was its direction, uh, its focus. uh, It's what we're we're concentrated on trying to do as a church body. And the idea was that there would be three seeds that we would plant in three soils. It was that we were going to plant our lives in the church We were going to plant the gospel in the city, and we were going to plant churches in the world. And we're two and a half years into this three-year vision with half a year left to go. And so this morning, I want to think, as we move into a new year, how will we spend this last half of a year, these last six months, as we think about this vision? First, we should reflect on what God has done so far. In the first two and a half years of this plant vision, the Lord has been gracious to us. We have indeed planted our lives in the church, and we've seen other people do the same thing. We've seen an overall increase in participation on Sunday mornings here at Providence of more than 10%. We've planted the gospel in the city. We've heard of gospel conversations and we've seen or or it's been reported 200 people put their faith in Christ in the last two and a half years and 170 of those have been baptized here. 200 have joined the church. We've planted churches in the world. We've supported over 100 missions partners, 10 North American church planters, 30 international church planters. So much fruit and only a short sprint left to go. And I want to think about how we will spend that last sprint, these last few months of a ministry vision uh, together. So let's pray. And then we'll look this morning at Matthew chapter 13 for some encouragement. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us now. As we open your word, I pray that your spirit would come, that he would lead us into all truth. I pray that Jesus would be exalted that his name would be lifted high, and that as he is lifted up, that he would draw all men to himself. Father, we worship you this morning because of your goodness and kindness to us, and we want to reflect on it and be encouraged in it together. And so, God, would you speak clearly through your word? We need eyes to see and ears to hear. God, would you grant it to us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're finishing up this Year, as you can see behind me, the Christmas trees are still up. We're just coming out of the Christmas season where we were celebrating the wonder and the hope of the incarnation of Christ, which is the simple idea that Jesus took on flesh. He humbled himself to come and live among us, to rescue us from darkness, sin, and hopelessness. He, He came and preached good news to the poor, freedom for captives, and sight for the blind. He died on a cross to make healing and freedom possible for us. And then he rose from the dead to give us evidence of his overwhelming victory. And then he said, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. He said, take this hope that I have brought. Take this message and go as ambassadors, go as agents of rescue and take light into the darkness. Go to every nation and every tribe, go to every neighborhood and tell of his salvation from day to day, this global cause that he invited us into where Jesus brought the kingdom of God into the world and then laid it at our feet and said, spread it. Now this uh, little over a month ago, we had the missions festival here at Providence, my first missions festival to be a part of. And I thought it was just an incredible experience hearing from some of our global partners and seeing and hearing about all that God is doing in the world. But one of the things that it did in my own heart was that it brought home the overwhelming reality of lostness in the world. As I thought about all these places where they were preaching the gospel, and as we talked about all the places where no one is yet preaching the gospel, two billion people in the world today with no access to the gospel, it overwhelmed me in a way that it had not before. Overwhelming reality of lostness in the world, and yet we have this great hope, this great message, not to mention the lostness in our own city, our own neighbors, family members. Now, all of this to me can be overwhelming. As we think about this incredible thing that's been done, Jesus came into the world clothed in flesh and died in our place to set us free. And then he said, go and take this message of hope to the nations. And there's a tension in that. And the tension is that we had this incredible message and this incredible global eternal mission. And yet we are weak and flawed people who sometimes trip over our own shoelaces and can't get out of bed in the morning. And so what are we supposed to do? How do we engage this global mission? What are we supposed to do? Jesus is gonna give us instruction this morning in Matthew chapter 13, and I hope it will fill you with hope as we think about what we're called to do as a church and what we're aiming to do as a body of believers together. Look at Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse one, and we're gonna read a parable that Jesus taught. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse one, he says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, verses 10 through 17, Jesus answers a question about why he's teaching in parables, which is fascinating, but we don't have time for it this morning. That's a whole nother sermon. But verse 18, he comes back after answering that question and he explains this parable that he just told. I want to read that to you. He says, verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. 
As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So Jesus has been talking about the arrival of the kingdom of God since he began his teaching ministry. If you read it in, back in chapter four, it says that he began to travel around from place to place, explaining and preaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's been teaching about the nature of the kingdom and he's, he's been talking about how the citizens of the kingdom will act and what we will be like. And he's been showing the power of the kingdom by healing the sick and giving sight to the blind and, and, and restoring what has been broken in the fall. Now in chapter 13, he's talking about how this kingdom will advance. He's explaining why some people reject the kingdom. Now, this is fitting at this point in Matthew's gospel because chapters four through nine, it's this incredible record of all that Jesus has been doing and what he's been teaching, how he's been teaching with authority and the people are amazed. And then he goes, chapters um, five, uh, six, seven, he's teaching and then eight, nine, he's doing all these miracles. He's showing this incredible power. And then in chapter 12, there's this confusing thing that happens where the Pharisees and the scribes begin to question everything that Jesus is doing. And it becomes clear that, that he has brought news of this kingdom. He's displayed its power. He's explaining it to everyone. He's inviting everyone in. And yet these religious leaders are rejecting him. And so it raises a question in his followers' minds, how can these religious leaders be rejecting such a powerful and winsome kingdom? How can they be rejecting Jesus? And so and Jesus sets out to explain. The parable of the sower is his explanation. It's a story about God's work in sowing, growing, and multiplying. First, look with me, and we're going to look at God's work in sowing. And the parable starts with a sower or a farmer who's going out to sow seed. Verse 3, a sower went out to sow. That's pretty simple, and I thought about giving some long explanation to it, but I think you got it. He's scattering seed. He, he, he scatters it broadly and generously. He spreads it everywhere he goes. So what is this seed that he is sowing? Well, Jesus makes it clear in his explanation in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, is he saying this seed that is falling, this seed that is going out and landing on the ground, it's the word of the kingdom and it's falling on these different types of soils. So what is this word? What is the word of the kingdom? What is the truth of God? It's God's revelation of himself which culminates in the gospel or the good news. Gospel just means good news and the good news is that God saw us in our helpless state saw us in our desperation and sent Jesus to rescue us. He saw that we were dead in our sin and that we were in a world that was full of darkness and pain and despair because of our sin and he entered into it to rescue us. Or as Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says it this way, but God being rich in mercy 
Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is the good news. The good news is that God offers life instead of death. The good news is that God offers forgiveness instead of condemnation. He offers blessing instead of curse. He offers righteousness instead of shame and guilt. And how is it that he offers these things to us? It's because Jesus lived the life that we were supposed to live and died the death that we deserve to die so that these things that we don't deserve could be given to us. He tasted death so that we could have life. He tasted the curse so that we could have blessing. He tasted condemnation so that we could have forgiveness. This is the good news, and the good news is to be heard. Now, why is the good news to be heard? We don't know. That's the way God designed it to work. The way that God has designed this kingdom to work is that it is news that came into the world and we are to proclaim it. Paul says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing. Why? Because this is the way God has designed it to work. That people hear the good news, that good news lands on their hearts and when God does a miraculous work, it takes root, it grows and it bears fruit and salvation comes from it. So what is our role in this? What are we supposed to do? Well, sowers sow. That's our role. That's our job. That, that's our function. If you read the parable, you are the sower. We are the ones sowing the seed. Our job is to make this good news known. And I talked about that tension at the beginning, right? This overwhelming mission, this global endeavor, and yet it's at the feet of weak and flawed people. But here's the good news. All we have to do is sow. We are called to be proclaimers, witnesses, heralds. We sow. The best news about this parable is that the sower quickly disappears. In fact, he doesn't even make it into the explanation of the parable. The sower is nowhere to be found, which gives us hope as weak and flawed people. We can do what God has empowered us to do. The role that God has given us is we're to sow the word of the kingdom. We're to sow it wherever we go, and we're to go in order to sow it. It's only God's grace to us that we're given any role in this advance of the kingdom at all. And we will be eternally grateful for the small role that we get to play. And so the first point of application this morning is that we should commit ourselves to sowing broadly and generously this year Commit to sowing broadly and generously this year in our own hearts, in Raleigh, and in the nations. <clears throat> that first one might sound strange. What do you mean sowing broadly and generously in our own hearts? We're talking about the kingdom advancing. If I'm already a believer, why do I sow the word there? Well, the kingdom isn't just spreading out there. It's also spreading in here. The kingdom of God, his reign and rule is spreading in our hearts. There are new areas that we are giving over to the King of Kings every day through repentance and faith. And the way this works is that we sow the word of the kingdom into our own hearts through reading the Bible, through thinking about it together, through hearing encouragement from other believers. The word is sown into us and God's reign and rule spreads in our hearts. And so we have to sow broadly and generously in our own hearts. Read the word this year. 
get a reading plan on your way out. One of those journals that we have put together and and meditate on the word, write about it, apply it to your heart so broadly and generously into your heart, the word of the kingdom. Preach the gospel to yourself. Make it a regular habit to come and sit under the word here at church. Join a life group if you're not in one so that others can sow the word into your heart so that the kingdom of God will spread there. Plant your life in the church where others will sow the word into you and your family and you can sow into others by serving but so broadly and generously in our own hearts and in the city of Raleigh, we've been talking a lot about blessing our neighbors and sharing our story with them and sharing the good news, inviting them to come with us to church. And we've seen fruit from that. Let's continue this year to so broadly and generously in our city, sharing the good news wherever we go and let's sow into the nations. We are praying that 400 people from this church would go on a short-term mission trip this year. And we're praying that 20 of you would feel this call to go on a long-term mission. We're praying that God would use us to sow the word broadly and generously in the nations where people have not heard. As I was thinking about this sowing broadly and generously, I was thinking, why would we not do this in 2020? If we see here what God has promised to do, that he's going to bring fruit, he's going to multiply, why would we not sow broadly and generously in our own hearts and in the city and in the nations where two things immediately come to mind? One is that we get distracted. I believe that most of us in the room believe that sowing is a good thing. We believe in the power of the word. We believe that when it goes out, it bears fruit. And so why don't we, we sow it more often? Well, it's because we get distracted. There's so many things going on, sports and school and projects and work and career. These things distract us from what is most important, sowing the word of the kingdom. We get distracted. I think, secondly, we get discouraged. We get real serious about sowing and and we get fired up and we begin to, to, to be strategic and we're gonna be intentional and we're gonna do all these things and then we get busy or it's not effective and we get discouraged and we quickly move on to other things. We get distracted, we get discouraged. The rest of the parable, I think, will help us with that, bring some encouragement for us this year as we think about sowing broadly and generously. God's work in sowing is followed by his work in growing. God's work in growing. Sowers sow, but it's God who must give the increase. In the parable, there are four different results as the seed goes out. The sower is sowing broadly and generously. He doesn't spend time worrying about how each seed is going to fall or where it's going to fall or how it will be received. He's just throwing out as many seeds as possible. He knows that some of the seed is going to hit the path. He knows that some of it's going to get eaten. He knows that some will be choked out, but he also knows that some is going to hit good soil. Four results you see as Jesus explains the parable starting in verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. The path was hard. It was hard because it had been compacted by people walking on it so the seed can't penetrate the surface. This is what happens when the gospel hits a hard heart. 
But what hardens someone's heart? Well, the Bible's clear, sin hardens hearts. We learn that in the book of Hebrews, and the Bible teaches that the natural state of every human heart is that it is hard. That's why when Ezekiel talks about salvation, he talks about God removing a heart of stone and replacing it with a heart of flesh. So when someone comes to faith in Christ, it's because God has done a miracle. He's removed their hard stone heart and he's replaced it with a heart of flesh. Verse 20, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is the person who hears the gospel and accepts it right away. They they hear about forgiveness and the removal of shame or they hear about heaven and they think that those are things that I want, those are things that I long for. But they fail to consider the cost of following Jesus. Jesus reminded his followers over and over again about the cost of following him. There are tremendous blessings that come from following Jesus, but there's a real cost too. Jesus said that we should consider the cost of the tower before we start to build so that we know if we have enough to finish and some fail to count the cost. In verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And this one's a little scary. In a land of prosperity and riches, it's sobering to think that these things of the world can choke faith. Again, he describes this positive response to the gospel. Someone hears it and they don't reject it. It sounds good and right and they begin to follow, but this time it isn't persecution that chokes the seed. It's prosperity. It's the deceitfulness of the good things in this world that we can quickly begin to put our hope and trust in. Verse 23, but as for the, what was sown in a good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Whether it's 60 or 30 or 100, it's an abundant harvest. This is the climax of the parable. Jesus wants his disciples to know that some of the seed that they sow will fall on good soil and it will produce an abundant harvest. So as we think about God's work in growing I think we ought to apply this in two different ways. One as hearers of the word and one as sowers of the word. So as hearers of the word, first, we should examine our hearts to see what kind of soil we find. As the word lands on your heart, what kind of environment does it land in? Is it a hard heart, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, or is it a shallow heart? Or is it a divided heart that's trying to serve two masters or is it a fertile, soft heart ready to receive the word, to receive it by faith? What kind of heart do you have? And secondly, as we think about being sowers and our dependence upon the Lord, we should commit to pray as we sow because nothing makes our dependence upon God in this whole scenario more clear than the four results of the soils. Why? Because the sower has no power over what happens with the seed when it hits the ground. He sows broadly and generously, knowing that the seed is landing on all kinds of soils. And yet God is the one who gives 
the increase. And so we must commit to pray. We must pray that God would take the seeds that are sown, that he would cause them to sink deep into fertile hearts, that they would sprout roots and they would grow up and bear fruit. We should do that as we sow the word in our own hearts, as we read the word for ourselves. Do you pray with the psalmist, Lord, open my eyes that I might see wondrous things in your law. Speak to me through your word. Help me, Lord, eyes to see. We pray as we share the gospel, knowing that there are these different kinds of hearts and that the seeds we throw out, there's the possibility that they get choked away And so, God, we pray that you protect those seeds. We pray that you would prepare hearts before the seed goes out. We pray that you would lead us as we sow, that we might produce fruit. We pray as we go to the nations, knowing that God is the one who must do the work. To plant the gospel in hearts and to plant churches in communities and that those churches might grow up and bear fruit. This is God's work, that we are completely dependent upon him for it. God's work and sowing and his work and growing is followed by his work in multiplying. I'll finish this morning thinking about God's work in multiplying. And this is where I think our, the followers of Jesus in the room will, will get the greatest encouragement as we think about the next six months ahead of us. Verse 23, it says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, and another sixty. And in another 30, 30, 60, 100 times, the fruit multiplies. So what is this fruit that is multiplying? Now, the Bible talks about fruit a lot. Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Matthew quotes Jesus as talking about fruit as good works. You will know a tree by its fruit, Jesus says. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. He's talking about good or righteous things when he talks about fruit. So Jesus is saying that when the word of the kingdom or the gospel is sown into the good soil of a receptive heart, it will produce a harvest of good. It will produce faith. It will produce good works. It will produce more sowers. It will produce disciples who are making more disciples. The point of the parable is that we're supposed to be encouraged. It can be discouraging sometimes as sowers to look out at the seed we're throwing down and see that some of it is snatched away and see that some of it gets scorched by the sun. Or you see that in some particular area or in some particular person where you're trying to sow seeds that the heart is hard. It can be discouraging. But don't let it keep you from sowing. Instead, the parable would encourage us to sow all the more, knowing that God will bring a harvest. And so the final point of application this morning, let's sow and pray with hope and expectation that God will multiply. Let's sow and pray with hope and expectation that God will multiply. Maybe you've been dealing with a stubborn sin problem in your life. Maybe 2019 has been marked by a flagging faith in your heart or a struggle in one particular area, or maybe it's been longer than a year. You feel hopeless to overcome it. Let me encourage you through this parable of Jesus to keep sowing seed in your heart. 
Continue to preach the gospel to yourself. Continue to fight for faith. And if you continue to sow, it will produce a harvest. You maybe have a wayward son or daughter. And you've watched as seed after seed has been snatched away. Don't grow weary in sowing. Keep sowing. Keep praying. Because God has the power to remove hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh. Maybe you have a friend or a neighbor who seems totally disinterested in the gospel. Don't give up. Continue to pray. Continue to bless. Continue to share the stories of what God is doing in your life and ask the Lord to give them a heart that's fertile and soft to the gospel that the seeds that fall on it might take root and grow. Or maybe you're like me and you hear about the billions of unreached people in the world and you get overwhelmed. And you're burdened and you think, maybe we have to figure out something better to do. Maybe there's a different strategy. Maybe there's a different way to go about this. But the parable encourages us, don't grow weary. Keep praying, keep going, keep sowing because God promises that the seeds that we throw out will produce 30, 60, 100 times what is planted. The Lord will do through our sowing more than we could ever think to ask or imagine. His kingdom is always moving forward. It is always growing. We have good seed, Providence. Let's sow it. Let's not be distracted. Let's not be discouraged. Let's sow. And sow faithfully as we pray that God would bring about a harvest that would multiply and multiply and multiply. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you've heard the good news, the good news is that God saw you in your helpless state that you have sin in your life. And because of that, you are dead and separated from him, but he sent a rescuer for you. And the Bible makes it clear that all you must do is believe that he was raised from the dead, confess him as Lord of your life and call upon him for salvation and you will be saved. If you're a believer here this morning, you too have been reminded of the good news. And I hope that you will commit yourself again this morning to devoting your life to making that good news known. That you might proclaim the excellencies of the one who drew you out of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. So why don't you stand with me and let me pray this morning as I finish our time in the word and we sing in response to it. Heavenly Father, we have so much to be thankful for. The promise of your word and the power of it, that we can trust that as it goes forward, even this morning, in this room, as your word is examined and as we think about it and you use it, that you will bring fruit in our lives. God, I pray that we would devote ourselves to being sowers of good seed that we would see our lives in light of what you're doing around the world and we would commit ourselves to being sowers who go and sow. God, and I pray that you would take the seed that we throw and that you would use it. 
that you would plant it deep into hearts and that it would grow and that it would bear fruit. God, would you be so gracious as to bring hope to people who have no hope, bring freedom to people who are captives. God, would you use us, make us bold, make us strategic, make us winsome. God, I pray that we would be great ambassadors, that we would sow generously and broadly we would sow with hope and expectation and that you would multiply. God, do a great work, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.